Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Write Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at the Times. This episode of Write Lane is sponsored by the Scripps Howard Awards. The Scripps Howard Foundation and Write Lane are collaborating to spotlight some of the best journalism of 2019. Award finalists will be named February 25th, and winners will be announced March 3rd. The awards show will be April 16th in Cincinnati. In the weeks ahead, we'll talk with some of the Scripps winners on this podcast. So today's topic, Coach Andy. Before Lane reads this story, I'll confess that I had absolutely no interest in it. If you're a regular listener, you know that Lane has lots and lots and lots of ideas. She comes my way with scraps of paper where she scribbled notes and items she ripped from the newspaper and things she saw in the neighborhood flyer. And I'm like, okay, which one of these rise to the top? And then we sort through together. It's a fun conversation, and we both poke holes as we think things through. She's not put off when I'm not as jazzed as she is, but in this case, she asked me to let her have the day and give this story a try. So here it is. Most of the athletes arrived early that Saturday. Some of their parents dropped them off at Adventures Archery in Tampa. Three stirred themselves in wheelchairs. One brought an aide, another a therapy dog. They threaded through the store, past stuffed turkeys and deer heads, and turned into the long, open range. Coach Andy greeted each with a question. Hey, Liz, how are exams going? Good to see you, Sergio. What have you been up to? When's your piano recital, Rachel? Then he handed out bows. On the far wall, nine new targets were lined up, some lower than others. Coach Andy tacked another two to portable podiums and rolled them close for kids who couldn't shoot that far. All right, let's get going here, he said sliding arrows into the quivers by their feet. Hands up. Hold them steady. Let's have some fun. A few needed help threading the arrows into their bows. Some needed to have their bows adapted so they could hold them. One boy, whose arms were too weak to draw the string, pulled the arrow back with his teeth, then let fly. Great job. Look at that, called Coach Andy, clapping his hands when someone hit the target. No problem, he said when arrows fell to the floor. This isn't a competition. Not yet. Try again. Andy Chasnoff, 66, has been coaching students with physical disabilities for 50 years. He started youth programs in New Jersey, Connecticut, and Florida, and has taken five athletes to the International Paralympic Games. For the past 18 years, he's worked for Hillsborough County's Parks and Recreation Department. There, he estimates, he's coached more than 1,000 young athletes with a myriad of physical challenges, like lost or paralyzed limbs, cerebral palsy, and spina bifida. He's taught them to play soccer, tennis, and basketball, to swim, sail, lift weights, run track, water ski, kayak, and golf. He's watched them grow up and go on to college. He helped a few find jobs. That morning in December was his last Saturday of archery. In January, Coach Andy is retiring. He hopes to spend more time visiting his three sons, playing with his three grandkids. 
but he still has to get Liz, a sophomore at Eckerd College, ready for her spring archery tournament. He needs to make sure that Danielle, 14, wins gold medals in discus, shot put, and javelin in February at the International Wheelchair and Amputee Sports World Games in Thailand. He wants to draw 13-year-old Abby out of her shell and help her walk a mile. There she is. There's my girl. I was worried you wouldn't make it, he said when Abby Bischoff limped in with her dad ten minutes later. They'd driven almost an hour from Plant City. Here you go, said Coach Andy, adjusting her bow. Now go ahead and try. You don't need me. Abby smiled shyly and shouldered her bow. I need you, she said. You're why I'm here. In high school on Long Island, Andy played basketball and ran track. He dreamed of going to the Olympics to compete in the 400 meter. Then he planned to become a PE teacher. The summer he was 16, his dad wanted him to work in the family vacuum store. The most boring thing, Andy said. So when I saw a newspaper ad about working at the pool, helping kids with cerebral palsy, I thought that sounded much more fun. And I'd get to be outside. He spent that summer working as the human lift at the pool and feeding lunch to a five-year-old girl. Julie was beautiful, outgoing and great. She was in a chair all floppy and so much fun, Andy said. We talk about cartoons, about food, what she liked to do. I brought my dates to meet her. She gave me thumbs up or thumbs down. I taught her to swim. By that fall, when he went back to high school, his path was set. He wanted to work with kids with disabilities, help push them past their limitations. After college, he became a recreational therapist at a children's hospital in New York. There, he met an occupational therapist who became his wife. Little Julie from the pool, 16 by then, was their flower girl. Though Andy and his wife, Debbie, both worked with physically challenged children, they'd never talked about the possibility of their own kids having problems. Mike, the oldest, was fine. So was Mark, who was born next. Tommy is his twin, who decided he didn't want to come out, Andy said. He was born blue. Doctors said he would die. After a month in intensive care, the baby got to go home. Doctors diagnosed Tommy with cerebral palsy and said he had hearing loss. Andy asked, so what's the bad news? We got it good. Tommy learned to walk, then run. Andy coached his boys in basketball, with Tommy playing on the same team as his brothers. He became one hell of an athlete, Andy said. He wouldn't let anything slow him down. At another children's hospital in New Jersey, Andy became recreation director and formed a wheelchair track and field team. He helped start a statewide program for adaptive sports, then worked with the National Junior Disability Championships. He was inducted into the National Wheelchair Athletic Association Hall of Fame. In 1997, after two feet of snow fell, Andy and his wife moved to Florida. He made such a huge difference to so many kids, helping them develop and develop self-worth, said Kelly Mion, who helped Andy raise money for wheelchairs and sports supplies. He gets these kids out of their comfort zones, gives them something they can be successful at and proud of. Liz Tidy, 19, has worked with Coach Andy for five years. He's not just making us athletes. He's making us better people, she said. He's competitive, sure, but he's not just about sports. He wants us to do better in life. We're going to miss him a lot. At the edge of the archery range, Abby looked at Coach Andy, then pulled back her bow. The first arrow flew toward the ceiling. The next crashed to the floor. Hold your elbow up. Hold it steady. You got this, said Coach Andy. This time, the arrow hit the wall between two targets. All right, better. You're going to make this next one, he said. I'm here. I'm good luck. Abby met Coach Andy in November when she started swimming at the Hillsborough Parks and Recreation Department. He told her she should try archery. He promised to introduce her to the other athletes. I'm homeschooled, Florida Virtual School, so I need to socialize, but I'm really shy, Abby said. Coach Andy helps me relax and feel comfortable. 
He makes me laugh. After a few more rounds of shooting, after Coach Andy brought her a chocolate donut and refilled the quiver by her feet, Abby loaded another arrow, drew the string, squinted her eyes. The arrow pierced the yellow bullseye. Abby screamed. Look at that, Coach Andy cried, hugging her. I told you I was good luck. At a table in the back of the room, Andy's, I'm sorry, Abby's dad looked up and smiled. He'd seldom seen his daughter so excited. Coach Andy's given her so much confidence, Jeff, Jim Bishop said later. His daughter has a form of cerebral palsy that makes her muscles extremely weak. She sways slightly when she walks and tires easily. Here, Abby can see people who are more disabled than her and some not as bad, all having fun and working to improve at a sport, he said. After two hours, a woman blew a whistle. Time to clear the range. The dozen athletes walked and rolled to the far end to collect their arrows. Coach Andy reached into a folder and pulled out an entry form for a January road race. Abby, he said, this is for you. I want you to do this. How far is it, she asked softly, studying the paper. She shook her head. I don't know. Coach Andy put his hand on her shoulder and smiled. It's a mile. One mile. You can make it, he said. You're going to walk right next to me. Okay, so I admit it. It's a lovely story. (laughs) (laughs) When you turned it in and I read it and I thought, ah, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Damn her. (laughs) But but the reason I wasn't interested is, and we talked about this, is it felt to me like there wasn't a whole lot of tension around this story. Some guy's going to retire. Oh, he's a lovely man, but he's going to retire. And it's like, okay, well, someone will take his job. It didn't feel like it was a lot of tension. But what did you see in this story? Well, first of all, I have to say that the person who pitched the story at me was very persistent. He had been emailing me for about a year saying, you really ought to meet this guy. He had nothing to do with this guy except he knew him. Yeah, (laughs) like he's going to retire in a year. You should do this story. And he would send me like testimonials from other parents and from other kids. And so he was very, very persistent. And I felt like, gosh, if he believes in this guy enough, I at least owe him a lunch, right? So I think that was the pitch to you. Like, let me give, let me have a day. Total all, if you guys are doing the math, I had two hour lunch interview with this guy two hours at archery practice, about an hour interviewing other people and kind of poking around on the internet about his past, verifying things he told me, and then about five or six hours to write it. So it was maybe 12 hours altogether invested in this story. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think I didn't know anything about Andy, and I, but I know we don't normally care, cover like Paralympic sports, and when we do, it's from the like, oh, look at this poor kid overcoming this poor thing. Mm-hmm. So the idea that this man had spent 50 years working with kids with all these different disabilities, and it wasn't just like, I'm teaching them basketball. You know, he had every single sport in the world in there. And when I met him, he was totally that quintessential coach, like, you know, from your old coach TV show even, like, everything was sports. He looked like a coach. He talked like a coach. He had a whistle around his neck. You know, he's, like, everything about him was sports. All three of his sons made a living, are making a living in professional sports, not playing them, but, like, somehow involved in that. So you could tell he ate, slept, and breathed this. Um, And to be drawn to you know, a a group that we don't normally cover and and to realize what a huge world this was for for Paralympic athletes. um, I just thought maybe that's a way to show a window into this world that we don't cover very often. And it's not about the athletes. It's about the guy behind them, you know, cheering them on. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. And so you go to this event, and it, so there's a few things to overcome here, despite all of that. I mean, yes, there's there's a good purpose behind it and, and all of that. But you go to this event, and at first, because it's longer than just what you put in this story, right, in the scenes in the story, it's you're watching a couple hours unfold, and um, you were admittedly a little like worried and challenged about like, okay, what exactly do I do here? Right? Yeah. It was a Saturday morning and I went with a photographer with John Pendergraft and we were both like, okay, what do we got here? You know, we know we got to focus on coach Andy. Plus Lane volunteered to go on a Saturday morning. Okay. This is not, this is not, this is how badly she she wanted to do this. And it was an hour away. So (laughs) yeah, that was early morning. Um, but we didn't, didn't know what kid to focus on. You know, Andy was very, um, self-effacing. He wasn't all about like, I'm so great. In fact, he kept saying, it's not about me. It's about the kids. It's about the kids. And um, so we weren't sure which You're kid. You're like, I'm not here for that, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for you. Well, show me a kid. You know, I wanted a kid to connect with. And he was all like, no, 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 no. You it's know, all I'm not, not going to pick one of the kids, you know. Um, so I was like, okay, help me out a little bit. And then he also, he wanted to help me so much that he wouldn't stop talking to me. So finally I like made John the bad guy. And I was like, look, he's here to take a picture of you interacting with the kids. Could you go do your thing and interact <laughs> with the kids and stop sitting with me? Um, but I There's was, a reporting technique, <laughs> technique. Stop talking to me. Don't talk to me. Shut up. And I think John was grateful too, because he's kind of like, well, I'm not taking a picture of him talking to you. You know what I mean? But I, it was a matter of like sort of, serving the kids too to see who I, I knew I wanted to focus on one and his interaction with one um the girl from Eckerd College was great but she'd been playing archery long before she met coach Andy so he hadn't like introduced her to this or you know he was helping her along the way I'd wanted to get with the girl who was going to Thailand but she was only rehearsing like on a weekend I wasn't going to be around or John couldn't go so we didn't do that piece of it but then I thought it was you know to have a whole group of kids to choose from was better so there was one little girl in a wheelchair who I kept trying to talk to, and she was so intense on her archery, I could tell I was really bothering her. I was, like, you know, ruining her concentration, so I let her go. Then there was a boy who kept throwing a temper tantrum, the boy who pulled the arrow in his teeth. He was visually really interesting, but he was a mess to try to talk to. He was the youngest <laughs> one there. And so it took a while until I realized when um, Abby walked in, the way she lit up, you know, just seeing him, she was late. Her dad was sort of trailing her, helping her through the door. And she just like lit up when she saw him and he went running to her. And I thought, okay, there's something a little different in here. And even he'd only spent a few months with her, you know, where some of the kids he'd worked with for years, but you could tell he was already having an impact. Um, and her dad was there so I could ask permission, you know, can we photograph her and, and what's his take on the whole thing? So I, I think once she came into focus as my, as my, person I could ignore everybody else and try to find a narrative it wasn't much of one and when he pulled out that you know permission slip at the end I was like yes there's something going to happen beyond this you know um I should say we our our intent all all along was for you to talk to him have that background and then show up at what was his last event and then use the last event as a way to frame the story but of course when you're going into those situations as you're talking about you don't always know I mean, sometimes you have no idea whether you're going to focus on two hours of that event or five minutes of that event, or it's the last five minutes or, you know, 20 minutes in the middle of that event. You just have no idea until you get there and kind of see what unfolds, right? Yeah, it was, some of it was kind of boring, you know. So at the beginning, (laughs) you were panicking. Yeah, we didn't know what was going to happen. And and I have to say this, uh, the takeaway from this is really, Maria, giving me the last event to frame it around was so helpful because 
bless his heart, he had given me four sheets of paper of people to interview, like every kid he'd ever worked with, every hospital he'd ever worked at, every parent he'd ever worked at, every coworker, his kids, his grandkids, his wife. His, As like, if you were writing a book. If I was going <laughs> to write about his 50 years, you know, it would have taken me months to contact all those people. And, and I, I felt very grateful that I could fast forward his 50 years and then concentrate on, on those two hours or what it turned into maybe about an hour of that. So Abby walks in and you do you immediately like, okay, here's an opportunity because these other ones are not falling into place. And then do you and John both shift into gear and like say, okay, this is our, this is the potential. I kind of went and touched John on the, the shoulder and I said, I think she's going to be my girl. And he goes, oh good. Cause he wasn't sure, yeah. you know, what to focus on either. And you know, what was the payoff going to be when she got a bullseye? Cause that was a really exciting moment, but that didn't seem like it said a lot about their relationship or this ongoing thing so when he goes in his bag I was like what are you doing he goes oh I wanted to run a road race I was like yes yes <laughs> but yeah John and I you know, can you extend this out for us coach Andy because <laughs> we need that an bullseye is not really enough yeah <laughs> no it was great because John you know once once John focused on her too um, she was very expressive. He was very expressive um, and even when we walked out of there we were <laughs> we were like Okay, let's go get breakfast. What what do we got? What just happened? Like we weren't even sure we had anything at that moment, you know. Um, Whether you were worried that it might be too flat, right. you were worried for the reason that I was worried. Well, I beginning. also was worried because you you set a bar. You're like, I don't know, and I'm like, I can show you. And then what if it didn't work? You know, I didn't want to be like, oh, she she was right. <laughs> <laughs> So no, and, and make something. Let me make those that lemonade. Yeah. That, but that's exactly what you're talking about. I think I called it chicken salad out of chicken. Yeah. yeah. Um, but having John along for the ride too, I can't emphasize how much it helps just to have another body there to say like, what did you think? What did you see? What was the payoff for you? And he emailed me the pictures before I sat down to write, which was a huge blessing. Um, I like to print them out and tap up, tape them up around my cubicle while I write. And when I was getting ready to, to sit down and write, I thought, I still don't know if I have enough, you know, to rise to the occasion. And I looked at his pictures and I think I emailed you and I was like, okay, we got this. You did. You we were so this. excited. You were so excited with the pictures. The like, pictures okay. really made it for me. It, I mean, it, it reinforced that, yeah, this was a moment for them, you know, that you could see it in their faces. I wasn't projecting some ending I needed. You know what I mean? And, right. and I made John read the story, um, too, to make sure it felt authentic to him. And, and then... Of course, as you, we've been talking about, you dispensed with all the other parts of that day. I mean, you know, pretty much it became, let's introduce Abby walking in and the takeaway at the end, and we're just going to do some backstory about him, but we're not going to introduce all these other kids. We're not going to spend time on what the scene was like before, um, right, and mix it. Yeah, he was going back to the rec department to unpack the arrows and the, the targets, and John and I were like, should we go with him? And then we were like, why? That, that's not going to be any more exciting than the ending we just got with Abby, you know? Um, did what did, the, did you ever hear from the guy who had hounded you? I did. In fact, he wants to go to lunch tomorrow and pitch some more stories at oh, me, no! so watch out. <laughs> no! Say no! no! No, he was very grateful. And he, you know, I love when there's readers, like, I've been reading you for all these years, I know what kind of stories you like to tell, and I said, okay, next time I want a little more attention, but um, yeah, it, it, it's nice to have readers call in ideas. Well, that's another lesson from this story, though, too, I guess, you know, you, you so you take 12 hours to do this story, and what does it gain us? Um you know, it's, it's not something that you're going to, we're going to enter in contests. It's not something that you're going to say, oh, wow, this was the most, you know, challenging story I've ever done. Or it's going to change the world. Yeah. It's not going to be one that you look back and say, it's the most meaningful, but what it did, 
it did a few things, I think, for us. I mean, in terms of goodwill for the community, they read a story about somebody, a guy who's a nice guy, hopefully. We backrounded him. We backrounded him. There was nothing in his file. Uh, but, um, and it'll lead you, other people to tell you their stories, right? It'll, which is kind of how you've made, a, you've made a trademark part of your career here is people find you because of the stories that you've already told, right? So and he like, said he heard from about 40 or 50 different families and athletes he'd worked with over the years. So in terms of like offering somebody a nice right. bow on the end of their career, he's made half a century of difference around here. So, okay. And, and that, that does happen a lot with you, right? People, Because you, you come at me a lot with such and such called me and, well, once time I did a story about somebody he knew or somebody, you know, that those connections are invaluable, especially if you're going to be in the same community for a long time. Exactly. That's, that's a blessing about being one place for 20 years. Yeah. Um, I should say, someone on social media chastised me for questioning any of Lane's story ideas. <laughs> I mean, really, she called me out. Like, what? How could you possibly question Lane's ideas? But I just wanted to know, they do pay me for that. I mean, that's part of my job. I hope you keep questioning my ideas because I know I have some that just don't deserve it. But I, and just to, just to go back to what I said at the beginning. I mean, you never get upset. We you you come in cuz you think there's a germ of an idea and you want to talk it out. It the whole point is let's poke holes at it. Where what what is the potential of it? Where do you what do we think it could be? Best case scenario. Worst case scenario, what does it become? And then how do you weigh that? You weigh that against the other stories that you have cuz you've always got a ton of stories you're working on. So do we take the time to jump in here? So this right, and I appreciate, you know, what's the least investment you need to figure out if it's going to be worth it. You always give yeah. me the time at least to figure that out. And well, and that and sometimes only a phone call sometimes will tell you that. You and know? this one we knew we were we wanted a modest story. It was and it was around the holidays. It's like, okay, it's good timing for that. It'll it'll come in, it'll be a good a good story for the for the holidays, but we're not we're not trying to do a really big, long, ambitious story. We're in and out with this one. but And I did, I probably got a dozen emails from readers saying, write more positive stories, write more good news stories, yeah. write more stories about people making a difference. You know, Yeah, people do react to that kind of stuff a lot. So, so, so there you go, Coach Andy. Here's, that one's for you. <laughs> okay, if you have a question for Lane or want to suggest a podcast topic or harass me, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. Join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Allison Graves. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.